there's actually a, a mental bias that's called the illusion of transparency, which is where we assume that others see what we need much more so than they do. And now. Hey, <laughs> I'm the captain now. <laughs> Coming to you from the K2 studios in San Diego, California. This sounds great. You sound amazing. I always sound amazing. It's the world famous. Everybody sit off like BFS. Chris and Christine Show. Hey, what's happening, everybody? How are you doing today? You know, thank you so much for listening. And I am Chris. And I'm Christine. And welcome to episode 129 of the Chris and Christine Show. Do, 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 do. Ah, fantastic. Welcome to Monday morning. Oh my gosh, you do sound like a morning radio talk show host right now. Like Ding, 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 ding. Oh Ooh. my goodness. <laughs> what did you have in your Wheaties this morning? I didn't have Wheaties. I actually had a breakfast burrito from you the taco did. shop down the street. You did. You were the breakfast delivery boy this morning. Thank you so much for that. I and needed the protein. I had a cute little co-pilot go with me down there. <laughs> Who was that? Clover. Oh, yeah. So she was running around the house and I was like, Please put Clover away. And then you decided to just take her with you? Right. I caught her. I'm like, you know what? Since she's all wild and up and running around, I said, figure why not take her down to the street, down to the uh, taco shop, drive through, of course, and let her uh, go there and check out the sights and sounds of uh, being outside the house. So where did she sit while you were driving? Well, at first, I tried putting her in the uh, pilot seat, you know, the, uh, the, oh, the uh, passenger seat. Passenger seat. What's that? Pilot seat. And then she was like kind of kind of squirmy. So I had her hold her in my lap. And so we went through the drive through while they're making the breakfast burritos. She was actually sitting in my, you know, in my lap, you know, looking out the window. And the guy at the counter was like, oh, she's so cute. Actually, (laughs) he said, he's so cute, but she really is a girl. But whatever. Point being is that he said, uh, oh, she's so cute. And um, yeah. And she didn't jump out. No, but she was whining a lot, like looking around all the traffic and the cars and looking inside and all the smells coming in from the taco mm-hmm. shop, like the you bacon. Know, yeah, that and all the eggs <laughs> and whatever they're cooking in there. So she's smelling that and she's getting all excited. She loves to go on car rides. But what I've noticed is I have to have her at an area where she can see out the window and she does need to be like strapped into her car seat when I take her out. But I did take her to like go get groomed the other day. And then I had her sit on the floorboard of the passenger seat. And she did okay there. She, like, ended up curling up and, like, taking a little nap right there. Yeah. She is such a little cutie. But she whines a lot. We don't pick her up or pay attention to her, let her run around the house, you She's know? just spoiled. Yeah. Well, that's what kids do. They get spoiled. Definitely. Well, I was thinking about this this morning when I had my first meeting. And I was thinking, oh, well, when my studio gets finished being built, which we're officially, officially breaking ground on tomorrow – then I should have like a little clover dog bed and food bowl for her to be able to hang out out there with me because it'll have laminate floors. And so I don't have to worry about her having an accident. So she could just like roam around while I'm working and just have some snacks and kind of have some toys and things like that. I think it'd be so great for her. I think she would absolutely love it. And if you're not clued on to what we were building in the backyard is that we are building an actual new Building construction for Christine Smith Designs. It's going to be her actual business building warehouse. Warehouse? I didn't know it's going to be a warehouse. I'm calling it a design studio because it's it's not going to be a warehouse. It's going to be an actual building. How many stories is this building we're building up here? Five. Five stories. Mm -hmm. So your penthouse is going to be on the top floor maybe? Um. 
that's the doghouse for when you're mean to me. You could just, you know, be Rapunzel. <laughs> oh, it's a dungeon, really, huh? It's a dungeon up above. It's like Rapunzel, like banishing you up to the, instead of the basement, up to the attic. Oh, I see how it goes. <laughs> no, yes. It'll be a 10 by 12, so not super huge, but it's within code to make sure that we don't have to go through the separate permitting and then a separate floral cooler. I'm very excited. I can't wait. And yesterday I had, to, I had this brilliant idea. You're what, right, you did. Of what to put behind, because you have like a desk in there with the chairs and like an office setup. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking behind the office, how cool would it be? You're all about the flowers. You're all about the weddings and stuff. Why not have an entire backdrop behind you of all like a flower wall? I loved that idea. And then you searched up some pictures and sent it to me. And I was like, you know what? Maybe you have an eye for this kind of stuff. Maybe of course I be, do, baby. Maybe you're going to be my next floral design intern. I should be, you know. I mean. I don't know. You don't have patience for it. You'd be like, I can't get this thorn off. Die, flower, die. <laughs> yes, it's exactly how I would say it. I have a hammer and everything, you know, smash it to bits. <laughs> but the flower wall, you may have seen these in like the, uh, what restaurant? Some restaurants have them for like decor, for like photo Yeah, backdrops. like the greenery walls. Like when we went to Sugar Factory downtown, they had right. that big one. Was it flowers or greenery? I'm pretty sure it was flowers. Yeah, like, I think so too. Yeah, it was like, it was a pink and uh, uh-huh. red or maybe it was, I don't know what color it was, but they have all kinds of flower colors and designs. Most, mostly like roses, but some were like had some greenery. But you're looking for ones like neutral colors. Yeah, neutral color palette like whites, blush pink, creams, nothing. And, it, and it's going to be the entire backdrop behind you. It's going to be all filled with flowers. How cool is that? I know. I really like that idea. And then when you came up with it, I was like, oh, that's actually a really good idea for decor. Then I don't have to do a lot with the rest of the space because – you know, white walls and then one focal wall with maybe some signage for my business and then just keep everything else clean and it'd be perfect. And as a client, if I walked into that office and I saw that your desk and I saw the big flower wall behind you, I would flip out. I'd be like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. This girl knows what she's doing because Uh it looks like, you know, it's like when you go to Disneyland, right? And you see like the landscaping for the most part is all pretty much well done right pretty much like everything looks great like every flower looks great all the painting is like brand new by the way that's what they do overnight they actually repaint all a lot of the stuff what you know that no at disneyland to keep everything that fresh new look they actually will repaint like almost everything all the railing all not every night they don't yeah they do touch up all the time all the time i'm sure they do touch up all the time but they don't like repaint everything every night well, maybe not the whole thing, but they do paint a lot. And then I also heard they have a bunch of cats to let run out at night to catch all the mice. Seriously? Yeah, I heard about so that. Then too. how do they wrangle the cats back? Cat wrangler? I don't know <laughs> how they do it. But I'm saying, like, when you walk into a place like that and you see all the great landscaping and all the great stuff and looks bright, shiny, and new, you're just like mesmerized by it. Of course, the magic of Disney is always there. But now we get the magic of Christine. Yes. Well, it's so funny because I remember when we moved into this house, you were like, you know what would look so great is if we get some of those trees that are like characters. And I was like, what are you, like the topiaries? The, the bushes, right? That's what you were saying you wanted. Why do you want a topiary? A topiary? That's what it's called when you like grow a tree or a bush into a specific size and then you cut it down to look like something, like a shape. No way. That would be so awesome. No, that's what I'm saying. You said you wanted that well, when we first well, moved I, in here. Well, I still do want that. Are you kidding me? That'd what be great. shape? No, but like a tree, a big bush. I don't know. You, you cut it into something? Cut yeah. It, what are you wanting? I don't know. I didn't thought that far ahead. I just thought it would be <laughs> kind of cool to have a picture of me. Yeah. That'd be a little harder to do, I think. But maybe if, Yeah, because the head would be out of proportion with the body because uh, you're, you know, brains. What, what are you saying? I'm, 
a muggly or something? I just said your brains. No, my brains aren't very, be so small, right? <laughs> You're the big brain in the, in the relationship, You're honey. You're so funny. You're such a goofball. Oh, I know I am, babe. So, hey, happy Mother's Day yesterday, by the way. It was Mother's Day. This is our Mother's Day episode recap. What happened to Mother's Day being Christine? What'd you do, baby? Um. Well, I woke up to chaos in the house. What? As a mother? A Mother's Day? How dare you? <laughs> the first thing that you said to me was like something along the lines of, why is it that on Mother's Day you have to do the most work out of everybody? And I was like, preach. But Jacob wasn't feeling good and he had, he said a sore throat and a cough and then he wasn't talking very well and he was supposed to go with his mom for a Padres game. So then he had just, he started to have a meltdown and then you were in a bad mood and then um, the other kids were wild and crazy and eating Cheez-Its on the couch. And it was like, all I asked for was to be able to sleep in for even just like an hour. But that didn't even happen. It was just like mass chaos that I walked down into. And you were like sitting on your phone and being very grumpy at me. And I was like, oh, OK. And then Zeke gave me a present. I loved it. It was so cute. It's like a little um, tray of – not a tray, like a little – platter of three little ceramic coffee cups that were made onto the platter with succulents inside and i loved it so much fantastic and i got you a nice little mother's day gift myself too you did not i got you you, got me a card i got you a card you got me a card and then you said i was you know planning to have time to go and get like a gift card for you and my mom but i ran out of time and i was thinking but you had time to buy a card you were in walmart and they have gift card displays how does one forget? Well, I almost forgot. I was running to the register that day. And I was like, oh, wait a second. While I'm here, I'm just get a card. Yeah, my mom and for you. For, for mothers in my life, let's get cards. And yep. I, I thought I picked out a very wonderful card for you. I thought it was hilarious. It was hilarious. It wasn't hurtful. <laughs> yeah, it was very hilarious for you. And what, is, then what, what, say, is, and what did you forget to get while you were at Walmart? Oh, you I got for me and your mom. Oh, what did I forget? The gift, gift cards? I'm, I'm confused you now. You forgot. Exactly. That's my point. You forgot to help pick out anything for your boys to gift to their mother. So then who ended up doing the shopping for that? Uh, Jacob Mason did. Did they? Nice try. Oh, did Who you? Who ended up having to take them shopping you for did? them? Oh, come on now. No way. Chris. Mother of the year times two. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. Happy Mother's Day, by the way. So. To the mothers that have to do the most work. So then. Yes. You asked me, well, you were like, so what are we going to do today? Actually, you didn't even say that. Ezekiel was like, mom, can we go to the game like you talked about? And I was like, you know what? I have Chris's credit card. Oh, you do? Where is that thing at? I give it back to you. I was like, I have Chris's credit card. And I just looked at you and I was like, are we going to still go to the game? You're like, yeah. And I said, well, what's my limit for the tickets? And you're yeah, like. I said, any, I said, anything but box seats. You said, just don't do the ones where they serve you the food. Right. The box seats ones where you're like pampered and you have like a, you, I think it's a, there's a clubhouse you can pay for. I've never even experienced this, but I believe it exists. It's where you go to the game. You're in this like. It's the Lexus Lounge. Right. And but the, it, the act- it's unlimited food too, right? Mm, no, okay. Okay. So that's a different one. But the Lexus Lounge, you can order the food to be delivered to your seats. 
And that was actually the like $10 cheaper than where we sat. No way. But they only had two seats. And so that morning, actually, so who's sitting in his lap, really? <laughs> let me just say, when I was like, so what are we going to do for Mother's Day? Your response to me was, I don't know. I really don't feel good. I don't feel like doing anything. That's what your response to me was. Um, what what dimensions are you living in? I don't remember saying that. Yeah, you did. You I were sitting there. That. I never said that. You were like, I really don't feel good. I don't feel like doing anything. And I was like, well, I, you're, you're going to remember. I said, so, you know, Ezekiel wanted to go to the game. Are you going to go with us or do you want us to just go by ourselves? And you're like, well, I don't want to be left out. And I was like, well, I mean, if you're going to go with me, are you going to have a good attitude? And what was your response? I always have a good attitude. Exactly. That's what you said. I always have and a good attitude. And then you started grumping at me a few minutes uh, later. Uh, Needless to say, everybody, Mother's Day started out rough. It ended strong, though. And that's yes. what counts. Yes, it always does. So at the game, we went to the Potters game. We got really good seats. They were like, We right. didn't just get them. I hunted them down, for the record. Okay. Christine hunted them down. We got good seats right behind the dugout for the Padres, right yep. by home plate, like right there. Yeah, I mean, we were, I think, 10 rows up from the dugout, maybe 12 rose up from the dugout right so we were like right like right there we saw everything right in front of us which is great now the game was going a little it was starting to kind of look like the Padres may be losing this game because it was down two to nothing and it kept on dragging on the Padres weren't doing very well they get a few hits but nobody get a run nothing I know they just kept getting like pop flies and they, they would get out and we were just like oh come on somebody just crush it we were like, Machado, come on. Manny Machado's got to do something. Right. Everyone's like chowing his name and screaming up and down. And then he got a few hits and it was like, it looked like it was going to be a home run and then it slightly curved and it was foul. Right. Had a couple of those actually. Yep. So so we're going into the ninth inning and we're already losing two to zero. Yep. So Two outs, bottom of the ninth. Now we go to the bottom of the ninth. Yeah, I mean, they were down to two outs, last batter, down by two. We got two runners on base. Somehow that happened. I don't know how, luckily that happened. So we have a guy in first and a guy in second. And we're two outs, last at bat, last batter of the game. Well, I mean, he wasn't necessarily the last batter. He ended up being the last batter, but he wasn't going to be. If he would have gotten on base, there would have been another one. However, he was just brought into the rotation because his name was Alfaro he had not previously played in any of the other innings, so they must have subbed him into the rotation. And people started cheering like crazy for him. And I saw this guy, and you know who he reminded me of? Who was that? Aquaman. He does a little, little Jason bit. Jason yeah. Momoa, is that his name? Yeah. He totally reminded me of that. Yes. Not going to lie, I was fangirling oh, just look, a little bit. Oh, look at you. Look I know. You. He was so, like all muscly, and he like went up at bat, and he's like working his muscles. And I'm like, this guy has got some power behind those muscles. He is going to he's going to do this. Let's see what he can do. Let's yeah. just see cuz everyone's like on their feet, you know. It's the last, you know, he said it's been two outs. We're down by two. It's 2 to 0. Bottom of the ninth. And then was it the first pitch? Very first pitch comes through. From their closing pitcher. And he hits it. He hits it with some power. And it was like it was that crack like that you hear of when they hit a home run. It was like I don't know, it just was like that perfect sound and we all knew it was out of we there. saw our thing. We saw it leave the plate, and it kept on going, and it kept on going, <laughs> and, it kept and on. everybody was on their feet cheering, and watching that thing go as far as it could go, and it went into the furthest section of the stands, past past the on the outfield, past the marquee. Yeah, yeah. So it went it went up there, almost hit the uh, jumbotron. Actually, it was just to the side of it, and everybody was on their feet, and he cleared the bases. 
We won three to two. And then, of course, Zeke was right down there watching the whole thing. And the whole crowd was cheering for him. His team ran out onto the field, welcomed him back. The guys were like dumping water in Gatorade. And then when he went over to get interviewed by the newscasters, some of the guys came out with an ice chest full of ice and water and dumped it over him. And Ezekiel got to see the whole thing. And I think that the icing on the cake for Ezekiel, even though he didn't get a foul ball, was he ended up on TV. No way he did? Yes, he did. And he was super excited. His grandparents, I think that they must have videotaped it. And then they were looking over the footage. Or he All right, was, yeah. And he was able to like screenshot himself. And that was very exciting did for can him. I, can I see that picture? Because I haven't seen it yet. I showed you just a little bit. Stop playing dumb. Oh, no, I want to see it though. Well, I'll show it to you after the show. Do you have the video of it? No, just the like the screenshot. Oh, of I thought it. you had like a video of them on the TV. No, no, I think it was one of those things where they were probably like panning the dugout where everybody was like running after the home run. And they ended up capturing him, and you can see him in his bright red shorts. <laughs> that was fantastic. What a way to ca- cap off Mother's Day because it was even kind of like, oh, they're gonna lose. A lot of people were leaving the game early. You know? I know. And you asked me if we were going to leave early. I was like, no. Oh, no. I you, I don't think you asked me. But I said, I looked around and I was like, you know, nothing irritates me more than people leaving the game early because it's like they're giving up on their team. And I said, watch, they're going to come back. And they did. And I was like, ha, to all those people that left early. They, miss, they missed that, you know. Suckers. And, and that, that was a fantastic end of the game. I, mean, I keep thinking about it even today. I'm thinking like, wow, that was fantastic. You yeah, know? it was really great. And then afterwards, because Ezekiel didn't have to fly out quite yet, I got to pick where we went for dinner. And we went to Harumama, which is my favorite place for dumplings in all of San Diego. And you guys had, what, sushi? Yeah, I had a Philadelphia roll. And Blech. Ezekiel had the... California roll, I believe. Yeah, is a Philadelphia roll basically just like a big old chunk of cream cheese rolled up in seaweed? Because that's disgusting. With fish. Yeah, nasty. And raw fish. The uh, how do cal- you even like? I don't understand how a person acquires that taste. Well, see, it's all wrapped together like a big burrito with the rice and the seaweed and everything, and you dip it in the soy sauce and you put the wasabi on it. It's so like basically, a- what you're saying is you have to choke out the taste of it to be able to choke it down. Exactly. You know, today is Monday as we record this. And Nuh-uh. Oh, yeah, I know. Huh? Check that out. And a lot of people, uh, myself included, are very much not fan of Mondays. I have a case of the Mondays for sure. But I don't know why you don't like Mondays when you don't even work on Mondays. You'd think it's your favorite day of the week. Well, no. But when I say Monday, everybody's got a different Monday. Like, everybody's got a different Friday. They work different schedules. When I used to work before, my other schedule I had, it was like, oh, my Friday is tomorrow and it's like Wednesday or Tuesday. Which, uh, but not, your Friday really is a Friday. That is true. My Friday happens to be on Friday. But your Monday is like you don't have a Monday because you only work four days a week. Hey ball. now. Hey now. That's the four hard days I put in. Well, as opposed to the 17 hard days I put in. <laughs> I'm so, Can you tell I have a case of the Mondays? Oh, Mondays are brutal. So tomorrow is my Monday at work. So unless I have to work overtime or something. So, But I know, you know, if you are unhappy with your job because the Mondays, Mondays really seem to really like bring it all back into focus when Friday is like your favorite day at work. But then Monday, it's like, oh, yeah, back to reality. Here we go. Do you know what my favorite day at work is? What's that? Saturday. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's everyone's favorite day at work. It's Saturday, their day off. Yes. But speaking of that, so uh, what were you going to say that I before I interrupted you? 
Oh, nothing, baby, because that uh, Monday seems to interrupt my work week is what it does. You know, everything's going fine. The Monday hits you right in the face. Like, <laughs> boom. It's like you're living and then a reminder, it's time to earn money. I just right? saw a meme yesterday. Yes, I just saw a meme yes, this morning about how it was like, wasn't Friday like seven minutes ago? <laughs> Welcome to Monday. <laughs> now, speaking of careers, if you are not satisfied with your career and what you do for work, um, you're probably in the same boat as a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, there's times when I wish that there was somebody that could just help pull me out of my funk or help me have a better perspective because the reality is I have a really good job with a lot of flexibility, but there's days like today where it's just like... And a lot of people do too, I would think. They kind of like they're used to their job. They get kind of like in that grind where they're like, well, should I stay here and, and stick it out or should I just find something better, you know? Absolutely. And this week on the Chris and Christine show, we have a fantastic guest who is a specialist in this exact area. Yep. And she will be on the show right after this. Hey there, K2 crew. We love having you as our loyal listeners. To keep up to date with what's happening behind the scenes, check us out on social media. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. And don't forget to follow our Facebook page. Yeah, tag us in your favorite fun stories. And guess what? You might just end up on the show. Ooh, and welcome back, everybody. Today, we have another fantastic VIP guest. She is an author, speaker, executive leadership coach. Welcome to the show, Darcy Eichenberg. Thank you. Thank you so much, Chris and Christine. I'm so glad to be here. Well, hey, Darcy. Well, thank you for being here. The crowd loves you. Yep, they went wild. We are so excited to have you on the show today. Where did you fly in from to join us in the studio today? Uh, fly from Bonita Springs, Florida, which is on the southwest coast of beautiful Florida. Florida, Okay, huh? so southwest coast. So that's opposite no, from... No, that's like Miami, right? It's opposite Miami. That's what right. I was going to say, so opposite it, Miami. Yes. Yeah, actually, I was just in Miami a, a couple days ago, and you go across what's called Alligator Alley. So it's a straight shot across the middle of Florida. Think about it like the lower belt, if you will. And, and uh, so I'm on the Gulf side uh, near Fort Myers, where some people may come to watch. Uh, there's a lot of uh, spring training baseball this time of year, and uh, and it's a lot of good sunsets right now, too. Ooh, fantastic. Now, on the Gulf side, do you guys have more hurricanes than on the Miami side? Oh, you use the, use the magic word. Uh, so it's we have not, knock wood, I'm knocking wood, uh, had a hurricane since Irma in 2017. But every year around this time, this is when we do our hurricane prep. And, you know, anymore, it's not one side or the other. I think when these storms come, they can affect us all. So uh, I think there's no one place that's more hurricane prone than the other. But, you know, we'll, we'll be prepared. We'll be ready for anything. That's just what you do. And it's the price you pay for living in a beautiful place. Now, you mentioned driving to Miami on something called Alligator Alley. Why mm -hmm. is it called Alligator Alley? Is it obvious? <laughs> <laughs> it's actually, there's 95 miles, I think, where there's nothing. I mean, it's a swamp. You're actually going across... Oh, it's technically the Everglades, but it is it is a swamp. And the parts outside the road. I mean, it's a major throughway. It's not a little dinky road. Um, but at the same time, alligators and panthers and other wildlife, they roam free out there. And they actually, if you're traveling at night, you really have to watch that 
there's not going to be some four-legged thing in the road that will impede your travel. So, but yeah, so it was just nicknamed Alligator Alley and that just stuck. That's so crazy. I was, uh, I'm a wedding planner in my free time and I was uh, taking some guests from the ceremony of the wedding to the reception just a few days ago. One of the gals was from Florida and she was telling me how her dad was like famous in her town in Florida for like coming to the middle school and helping to like wrangle the gators that had gotten onto the playground and stuff like that. I didn't realize that gators roamed so freely. I thought they just like stayed in the swamp, but I've heard stories lately about like them getting into people's pools and backyards. Yeah, they, get, they go down the sewer because people are flush them out as kids. They have like <laughs> no. <laughs> and then I saw this movie once where the, the gator had radioactive like food or something, and it became so big and he haunted the town. Is that really a true story? Or- <laughs> Florida. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen that, but yes, there are, you know, gators, wildlife. I mean, really in a lot of the, uh, a lot of places, even in the coastal areas that have been more developed, there's still very much wild kingdom if you know where to look for it. And even in a lot of, the, you know, not in the major cities like Miami or Tampa, but not far from it. Um, it's such a really productive, uh, you know, it's warm, it's wet, a lot of things, animals and plants like, and we just have great wildlife. Uh, actually, I've seen Panthers in my little backyard, which I, I call the swamp. It's, it's basically a lot of trees. But yeah, we see gators all the time. And of course, it's always the classic gators on the golf course for those people who play golf. And um, and you'll always you know find pictures of gators. Now, this is where you don't go fishing in Florida ponds because the gators can pull in. You can always tell who's a visitor and who's a local. Oh, really? You don't want to. Yeah, because the gator can pull. You want gators super strong. I'm sure especially they are. Yeah. In water. Yeah, now, are so. alligators, they're not considered endangered species, right? They're like a free-for-all, I heard, because there's so many of them, right? I I think that's the case. That's not my expertise, but I believe the American crocodile, it, don't test me on this, uh, the American crocodile is endangered, and they are unique to salt water or maybe the estuaries which is like the blend and but the alligator is pretty prolific but um but you know that always can change it's you know where who's finding enough to eat where we're having a big issue right now with manatees which are like the you know the hippos of the water mm-hmm. and a lot of their places are a lot of the food stuff which is the seagrass is getting killed off by pollution and um and rising temperature waters and and so they've been dying off and they are beautiful animal huge the size of a boat but wow um, sad to see them yeah die off not having natural habitat that's crazy it's so sad to hear but in terms of the alligators would you consider them to be like the new york rats of florida (laughs) that they're just everywhere and big uh, I wouldn't, that's not that much. You're not going to go, like, I lived in New York for eight years and, you know, you could easily, like, see a rat in your cheap apartment, um, you know, at least back in the day when uh, when I had no money and I was, you know, rooming with five people in a New York apartment. But, um, that, you know, you will, you can't go for long in Florida without seeing an alligator, but I think it's like anything. It depends on where you go and what you do. If you stay inside your house all day, you're never going to see an alligator. But if you get out in the world, yeah, the wildlife is out there too. And we're living, we're just living in their world. Well, Chris and I are bringing our boys to Miami on, that's, uh, we're going to leave from the Miami port for a cruise this summer and our boys are begging us to go on a gator swamp tour so we will probably take them on one of those just for fun can't you just go to any outdoor pool (laughs) 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 probably in Miami not but they do especially Everglades City which is 
know, maybe a couple hours from Miami, closer on my side. But um, right in the middle of the swamp, you know, there are these great airboat tours you can take. And to, to your like your friend's father, um, where, you know, you can actually help have somebody let you touch a baby alligator and handle them and, and just be able to be right in the middle of the Everglades. And, and it's very cool. And you see the cypress and it's, you know, there's, there's a whole side of the natural world that, you know, is, is still very much hidden. Um, even if you've lived in Florida for a long time and it's always worth the trip to go explore it. So exciting. Glad you guys are going to get to uh, spend a little time in Miami and then take a cruise and, Kind of get out and see a little more of what's going on in the world. Absolutely. Well, speaking of Florida, you mentioned that you lived in New York for a little bit of time. Are you originally from Florida or are you a transplant? I am like many people a transplant, although Florida became home several years ago, probably over 20 when my uh, my parents relocated here, like many people thinking that they would just be snowbirds. But after one uh, winter season, they went back to, I think at the time they were living in Pittsburgh oh, and, and yeah, and, and when went back in April and then it snowed the next day. And my, the story goes that my parents looked at each other and said, why are we here? And moved down to Florida even before their retirement age. So, 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 you know, where we are in Southwest Florida is kind of where we'd been coming, um, for holidays, just because that's where our parents were. And my sister and I both, um, had, different jobs and moved us around every couple of years. So we grew up in Illinois, uh, but I lived in Illinois, Central Illinois, then went to school in Chicago, lived there, moved to New York, moved to Connecticut, moved to Atlanta before getting here. So uh, so we've had a, a, a lot of different places, but it's been nice to be here and be uh, closer to my family. My sister's since moved here too. And, and it's a great, it's a great community. I mean, there's lots of pros and cons about any state and how things are run and what happens where, but when you just think about the being able to get out in the middle of January and February and take a long walk or go to the beach, um, you know, there's definitely some, uh, some bonus about being able to be outside and be in nature. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So speaking of being in Florida and all these other places that you've lived, what is it that you do for a living now that you reside in Florida? So it's interesting. One of the reasons that, you know, I have the opportunity to live here where I actively chose uh, was that I had created uh, a life for myself where I could work from anywhere. I always say I was remote before remote was cool uh, about 14 years ago, uh, after 15 years, I think, at, at a, as a principal at a large HR consulting firm, I decided to open my own business doing leadership coaching, um, other professional development training, and then over time becoming a speaker and an author. And so I realized at one point, even the clients in the city that I was living in, in Atlanta, a lot of us were working on the phone or on Skype at the time because it just took so long to get to places to meet each other. And, you know, I actually invested in training to be able to do more work remotely and really be able to listen carefully to what people are saying and also what they're not saying and really honed a lot of my skills to be able to work from anywhere. And then I, you know, I, like many of us have had, I, I ran into a time when my uh, my dad's health was turning and I was traveling back and forth. And one day just realized, why don't I live here and, and be able to do what I do 
even my local clients, I can continue to work with them and feel very fortunate that I've been able to, uh, was able to move my business and continue the work that I do with people all over the world. So what kind of uh, work do you do with these clients? Like when they come to you, what do they need? and What do you need help with? The one thing I think that a lot of my clients have in common is that they're at a decision point. I work with clients, whether it's through their company or I have a lot of clients who reach out to me individually uh, just on their own, but it's always kind of a crossroads, a decision point. It's either what I'm doing isn't working for me anymore, or I have to decide, am I, do I want to do what it takes to get to the next level or I'm at the next level and it's not working for my life. So I think a big theme a lot of, in a lot of my work is helping people create clarity. And then once they're clear as to what they want and where they are now, then building the confidence to move forward and ultimately taking control of situations where they may have given up control or they may have assumed they had no control. You know, I always say that we have much more control than we give ourselves credit for because we only control what we think, what we say, and what we do. We can't control anybody else. We can't control the environment, our companies, what's going on in the world, but we can make better decisions and choices about what we want to do and um, and sometimes also the things we don't want to do. Well, it sounds like your services are like very appropriate for what we're experiencing in the United States right now amidst the great resignation where so many people are leaving their jobs for a lot of different reasons. It seems to me like companies might want to hire you to bring you in, but then it makes me wonder, does it backfire and people leave their job and leave their organizations? Or do you also help people figure out how to find more satisfaction within their current work so that we're not constantly looking for the next best or better thing? Yeah. So the... Both yes, on both fronts. So, you know, organizations will come to me because they want to keep their talent. They know that, um, in a lot of ways, that the you know the people they have uh, are having these bigger challenges, bigger bigger questions. It's it's sort of more in the day to day conversation to be questioning and to be looking elsewhere. And that's it's totally human. We've actually you know created more permissions around. Uh, moving jobs faster than perhaps we had in the past. And when it's time for you to move on, I am a big fan of, yes, go to the, let's move to the next thing. However, I think one of the things that's happened um, in the past couple of years is that a lot of people have used moving, um, hoping that it solves whatever was not going right. And then uh, what they're finding, and I've, I've been writing about this for probably six months now, and recently there was some really good surgery that confirmed my observation that for some people, the great resignation has become a great regret, that they left thinking that they that was their only option, but instead realizing that the same issues that they were experiencing where they were are now coming up in their new place. And so what's really? the common denominator there? That's you. The common denominator is us, right? And and so it's actually uh, some of the things that I talk about in my latest book, which is called Red Cape Rescue, Save Your Career Without Leaving Your Job. And I, I always have noticed that when we talk about careers in general, 
we often give people the advice that if something's not going right in your work, your only option is to leave. Oh, go find another job. Oh, they don't deserve you. Go find another job. Um, but that's complicated. It's stressful. It can feel very demeaning. And I won't get on my soapbox about all the things we need to fix in matching people to jobs and companies. But you know, from the individual's point of view, it can be really discouraging. And and they still haven't done the work to recognize what it is that they need. So some of the things that I teach in the book and teach with my clients is what is actually in your control to be either aware of or to shift and change, or maybe it's simply asking for what you need and getting clear on what that is rather than wait for other people to figure it out. Well, what about the people that say that I've gone as far as I can in this role that I'm in? And I can't go anywhere else without either leaving or taking an executive role somewhere. And to get to the executive suite, you have to be either have already been in that world or in that space before they even make that let you make that jump. Yeah. When whenever a client comes with absolutes, I've gone as far as I can go. I've done everything that I can do. I think the first thing we really look hard at is is that a true assumption? I often will find that we can't see the label from inside the jar. You know, we think it's been obvious that we're ready to grow or that we're ready for the next level. But have we actually made that crystal clear? And have we actually asked, what do you need from me in order to consider me for this executive level? And in so many ways, I think we sometimes underestimate um the amount of influence that we have over getting more of what we want. And, you know, the truth is sometimes it's very nuanced. One of the issues that a lot of my clients have been um, talking about and experiencing lately, like many people, probably most all of your listeners are issues of overwhelm and just high stress, but not recognizing how much of it is waiting for somebody else to fix it instead of saying, making a recommendation saying, you know, when I look at our goals, here are the three things that I'm spending time on that really are not supporting our goals. So my recommendation is that we do this a different way, or we drop this, or we punt it for now, we put it on the next year list. And when we can take control and initiate those conversations, so many times we can actually recreate our jobs or put us on the path toward whatever we want next. There certainly are times when we have worked it out. We've followed every thread and we've heard no. We've had solid no's. And those are clear times when, yes, okay, it's time that we move on. And when we do that, though, I think we can also part as friends and with respect as opposed to feeling like, oh, this place, they never gave me what I needed or something went wrong here. And I think you create a lot more satisfaction in your future when you know that you've built skills to find more of what you need right where you are. Hey, Darcy, what about the person who is at their current job? You know, it pays okay, and they do a wonderful job, and they're very good at it, but they're just so 
just they just can't stand it because of all the different rules that come out. Why are you laughing, Chris? Or, he's like asking. He's this is or his perhaps, for a friend. Asking yeah. for a friend. Or asking for a friend. Asking for a friend. Asking for a friend. Just saying maybe that they all these new rules they they bombard us. I mean bombard this one person with. <laughs> with and they expect you to do more and more and more for less pay and less pay. When you see other, not I'm just saying, asking for a friend here, saying that maybe there are other companies that do less work, same type of job for for more pay. And so you're it's like, the grass what is always I, greener. What, yeah, what am I doing over here? <laughs> when I mean, okay, saying all saying, just saying for a friend here, you know. <laughs> so yeah, so so I think for your friend, I think the first thing is to recognize. What's true and what's the story I'm telling myself yes. or, or my, your friend's self about what the work really has to be? Because a lot of times, you know, I mean, companies aren't these amorphous beings. Companies are made up of humans, too. And, you know, you track back every decision. There's a human somewhere that had the idea of whatever they're doing. And this happens a lot with people at a manager level or um, I've seen this in hospitals with nurses where everybody else has, quote unquote, a good idea. And they're like, oh, well, let the nurses do that. Oh, let the managers do that. But nobody is looking holistically at how things are getting off track from the main goal, you know, what's the main goal of the job or um, how they're even sometimes butting heads against each other. So I think that especially if you're in a place where you're like, you know what, if it's time to move on, you know, I could, I could move on. Um, Again, it's not, it's not as easy as I think our media sometimes makes it sound, but you it, you put in the work where you are, you put in the work to find what's new. Either way, it's going to be work. You know, what's the work you care about most? And often there are places that we can find right what we're doing where we can either come back to whether it's our manager, whether it's our team and make different suggestions. Often we're executing things in a laborious way instead of the question I, I always challenge my clients with is, what would it look like if it was easy? And so things like meetings that take hours, you know, could that be a two minute, you know, asynchronous video that everybody just does their update on video by five o'clock Friday. And, you know, you don't have, you're not all sitting in a meeting, like rethinking what's the purpose. How does this connect to the thing that I get paid for? You know, what's the value that I bring? And I think there's some bigger strategic thinking that we can all do. One of the chapters in my book is actually called drop some balls. And I think a lot of times when we're in that place where, you know, this is a good job. I like it here. I like the people, but some of the processes are starting to just wear me down and drag me down. I have to think hard about what's real and what's not and where might I be able to drop some balls or renegotiate them or make them easier. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get you. I feel you. It's just that I know, like we were just saying earlier about the great resignation, a lot of people are just like bouncing, leaving job to job, flip flopping, you know, left and right. And I was kind of wondering if you're saying that a lot of these people, you said that they're finding out that the flipping over to the next thing isn't always working out for them. Do they go end up going back to where they started or what? So there is a trend or, you know, I, I think we don't have accurate data yet, but if you kind of watch the LinkedIn feed, uh, you'll see that there are what's called a boomerang uh, employee. And so, yes, you can go home again. I mean, there are plenty of places where in a very competitive world for talent, where you sometimes don't 
see what you had until you've left. Right. Um, yeah. Now, now I often say, don't go back to the same thing, like have a better conversation. And, and, and I think sometimes leaving, um, does help you clarify what wasn't working for you because there's, there's so many times that I've, worked inside a company and maybe I'll have some conversation with the leaders and they're like, we want people to tell us what's going on. We want people to speak up and tell us what's not working. And then I'll talk to, let's say I'm coaching a group of managers, a cohort of managers, and they'll say, well, nobody, you know, nobody wants to hear that we're struggling with this or doing that. And it's like, we only each take control. I mean, yes, leaders can do more asking and listening, but also no matter, you know, we all have a leader. And if we need something, we should be making that clear to other people, not just assuming that people can see it. There's actually a, a mental bias that's called the illusion of transparency, which is where we assume that others see what we need much more so than they do. Uh, it's kind of similar to sometimes what happens at home when the trash can is overflowing and somebody walks by it several times and somebody else just doesn't understand why they just don't take out the trash. But, you know, we have the illusion of transparency. Like it's your job, not my job kind of thing. Exactly. Well, or we we just, we think that somebody should see it as their job. They should like, why don't they pick that up? Why don't they do that? But we don't, but we don't always know. And it's not because people are good or bad or mean. It's oftentimes, you know, our leaders brains are as full as our brains. And if we don't, take the initiative to make it clear about, you know, here's, here's what's going on. You know, here are these things that are in conflict of the things that we both most care about or the thing that our business needs to serve our customers or serve our clients. And we sometimes have to like connect the dots for people. I don't care how high a level somebody is, you know, everybody's tired, everybody's overwhelmed. And the thing, if we need something, we have to build the confidence and the way in ourselves to make sure that we're asking for it and not accepting that, oh, well, that just, I'm never going to grow here or that's never going to change here. What if you're the person that they've been waiting for to point out why it should change? Darcy, one problem I always hear in my line of work, from I heard from a lot of people, is always say there's too many middle management. They cut the middle mm-hmm. management out. It's one thing I always hear when the when a company decides to do budget cuts or cut staff, it seems like the middle managers are the ones that always seem to get you know sliced out because the guys actually doing the work they seem to stay, and the guys at the very very top seem to stay, but everybody in the middle. Do you see that too? Um, I see it a little bit. I think what I see more often is that middle manager and every diff- every organization might define that differently. But the person who is a working manager, you know, they're doing the work and they're leading people. They're you know responsible for people. I see I see that person being crunched more and more, and and that person even more than ever is the person that needs to learn some of the skills and practice some of the skills to take back control. Because you know, similar to the example I used earlier with the nurses, um, it's very there's a lot of people that see that as a destination to reach lots of places, but sometimes there's not someone overlooking the whole experience. Same way with a manager, and. People, managing people, leading people takes time. It takes emotional labor. It takes energy. It, you know, people are 
all different. And when we're trying to do these bigger things in our, in our businesses, in our world, like being very conscious of diversity and helping people find opportunities. And, you know, that's custom work in many ways. But when a manager is, has on his or her plate, so much of the execution of the work, the thing that falls off is the work of people. And so a lot of organizations that I work with are trying to move to more of a model where you truly have a people manager because people are uh, almost every business. People are the most expensive part of the business, but they are also, they're not expendable. And so if we're not investing in that asset, if we're putting that asset last on the list as a manager and, you know, if we're crunched because we're doing the work and leading the work that's that's a failing situation. So a manager who's trapped in that situation needs to be thinking about how can I be leading more of the work and doing less of the work and having conversations both up and down to, um, to be able to change perspectives about what's really possible. So that crunch of the middle manager, and I think sometimes because they, if we are not speaking up, if we're in that point, that we start to be seen as a commodity, like that's not necessary. That is where, to your point, Chris, around uh, that jobs get eliminated. Once you become a commodity, once you start looking like everybody else, your job can be eliminated. Right. Yeah, definitely. That's super interesting, a super interesting perspective, Darcy. And one of the things as you were talking that I was wondering about is, you know, Chris gave you one scenario, but I see a very different scenario where it's, you have the middle managers that are trying to become a more senior manager and they're constantly hearing this messaging of, well, there's no more room at the top or we don't have any new positions. And so it goes back to that, like you've grown as much as you can, mm -hmm. but then also you have the worker who wants more, wants a better title and better compensation, but doesn't want to sacrifice the remote work life that they've developed. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. in this, I think it's a really unique context as we've been coming out of the pandemic with these different factors because we've all learned how successful you can be in remote work. So in that kind of a scenario, how would you attack that through a coaching lens? Now, I think the first thing is as the individual to get clear about what I want, what's important to me. Um, when I do this work with clients, we will go through a whole battery of your values. And I actually put the pretty much the same exercise I do with my high-end executive clients in, in the book, Red Cape Rescue. Um, so, but going to your values, what's your longer term vision? Because work is all made up. Jobs evolve. The same person could have the exact same title. And if you had a film crew watching each of them, the movie wouldn't be the same day after day, right? We, we make things up based on who we are, what, what we do, and often what we like to do or what our natural tendencies are. So when you aren't clear exactly on who you are now and what you want to become, you know, it's very hard to know what levers you can pull to get more of what's missing. So in some situations, people think that promotion, that moving forward is um, like that only looks like a title or a role. But if you look at what's really important to you, maybe it is in flexibility or maybe it is in I want different types of projects. I want to be able to do projects that are in this kind of 
uh, area to grow this skill for me or this level of experience. So, you know, in so many ways, I mean, navigating our careers are more complicated than ever, um, but there's more opportunity than ever because there's just knowledge work is just not as rigid as it once was. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, we've kind of proven that remote work is possible. I would challenge that remote transactional work is possible. And I think we haven't yet fully seen the impact. Um, Well, maybe we're seeing it with the so-called great resignation, but that work is not just transactional. It is not, you know, it is not just executional. What is the broader stuff that is better done by people together? And I think we can have flexibility and still have people collaborating and they don't have to be in the same room or have to look like it used to. But I think these are some of the issues that, uh, you know, we are just not crystal clear for everybody. And there's no one prescription. And we're making it up all the time anyway. And so I think as an individual to recognize, like, if I want, you know, and if I do want the role, if I want to say, in my lifetime, I was a SVP, or I was the executive director of this. And if that's truly not possible, just because of whoever else is there, then great, that's a really clear um, signal to say, if that's what I want, not not what I think it confers, but if I really say I really want that title, then great. Looking elsewhere, doing a targeted exploration toward that end, I think is is super important. But a lot of times people don't do the work to get clear as to is it really money I want? Right. Or yeah. is it rec- or is it recognition? Or is it something else? Yeah. And we all have our rights to to the different things we want. So Darcy, would people I think would want more a title or like I said, a scenario here, would you rather have a title, same pay or more pay, but, but not the title, you know, what and every, you- everybody is different, right? It really goes back to what do you value? So I often think that if title is important for some reason of yours, and sometimes title can be very important for, um, for how you are seen externally or even internally. I, I've worked with several consulting firms that are relatively title-less. And one of the challenges it runs into, whereas it's a nice thing to say, hey, you know, we're all associates here. When someone's trying to figure out, like, who has the power in the room to say yes or no, um, it's not always clear. Or when a client is saying, who's showing up at my meeting? There's there's sometimes a a need to say, I want to meet the VP, not the, you know, not the junior consultant, but it's very hard for us to distinguish. But for some people, they're in a, they're in a wealth generation mode. That's an important thing for their family right now. I mean, none of us are going to turn down more money, but when we think about our priorities and we think about what the cost is for the different things, we have to, to me, you know, my message is just make a conscious choice and what might be right for you. It may not be right for me. It might be that I can get a title with with uh, no more money. And that's great because I can put that on my LinkedIn and that maybe gets me opportunity to serve on some boards in my community, or I just feel better about being a VP than being a director or being a senior director than a director. But there's other people where it's like, yeah, I don't really care what you call me, you know, just put it in the, put it in the check. There is, <laughs> right, a, lot of yeah. good re- there is a lot of good research that says money is not a long-term satisficer. Once you get past a certain level that your, you know, your needs, 
you know, plus a certain amount are achieved. But money is often the easy thing. You know, I'm sure you guys have found in your work that um, that sometimes people will say, oh, well, you know, I can't afford that or but sometimes I just think it's easier to talk about money. And, you know, I'm interested in a few years from now when we go back and do more research about the changes people have made that a lot of people saying they're leaving for the money. Like, was that really the factor or is that just the easy one to answer, you know, to say, oh, it was more money? Right. It is. Right. Yeah. When people say, why did you go work there? Oh, because they paid better, you know. Right. Well, Chris, you recently had a conversation with some of the individuals that you work with and you were asking them a question about, was it time off and money? Oh, what was yeah. it? Okay. And then how did they answer? All right. So a scenario was basically this. It said, if you had a choice, any schedule you wanted, but for less pay or basically to have your ideal schedule you wanted. No, any schedule you wanted for more pay. No. How was it? I think I got all screwed up. I can't think of what it was. You were asking them like if they were willing to work like weekends uh, or back to back to get more pay, would they do it? Basically, it was this like time versus money trade off mm-hmm. question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny mm-hmm. because Chris was like blown away that the guys wanted more money. And oh, he's they like, do. Yes. And he was like, you yourself were like, what were you saying about your own your own schedule. I took a pay cut to mm-hmm. take more time off. So I have more time off than more money. I, mean, I could make more money. I could be working around the clock, you know, six days a week or whatever. But it goes back to, again, kind of what you were saying, Darcy, what do you value? And right. for our lifestyle, I think that, Chris, you placed a higher value on that time than you did on the time off. But I, I mean, think, on the time well, off versus the money. It also depends, too, because we have a family now and kids and you and everything else. But if it was just me by myself as a single person, I can see possibly like, why not? What else am I going to do? Well, I'll just mm-hmm. work, I guess. But when you get to a certain role where you have the family, you have the kids, you have responsibility, you have the weekends to do stuff and travel and all that. And you do not want to miss out on your kids, you know, when they're growing up. I've seen that. I've heard of that. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. And I, you know, I think that that what that is the decision that people have to make for themselves. And I think we have to challenge ourselves not to not to be judgmental of other people's decisions, because there are there are seasons that we have in our careers and in our lives. And there are seasons where we're like, I am just digging on my work. And it is that is that's not work. It's fun for me. And whatever it takes. And, and time is not a, I'm not, I'm not tracking time on a clock. I am just, I'm living the experience. And, you know, sometimes when you have your own business, it, if you've structured it in a way that it can work for you, like I'll work some Saturday mornings, but I might not work all day Friday. Um, but that's, you know, and again, that's my own business. So I get to control that. Uh, I set the boundaries on that. I actually think a lot of people have more control over their time than they give themselves credit for. I mean, some, some situations where if you are in a customer access point where you have to be available at a certain time, but often we let the lines blur and we think, oh, it's just a little thing, or even the things that we can control, like checking an email or, um, you'll be like, oh, I want to, I'll get a jump start on it Sunday night so that it's not so much, you know, Monday morning. But, right. Yeah. But when the, that all came back to knowing our values and knowing what we want out of this, this time in our life, um, you know, we have to hold ourselves accountable too to what we want. And, and I think sometimes it's easier to say money because money is a, a very clear measure. And, and you might also say not to, 
uh, stereotype gender roles, but you know, it may be that in some cases um, there might be a man in you know traditional gender roles who money actually doesn't mean money; it actually means achievement, or it means recognition, or it means being able to care for the family. Right, um, yeah. And and so I think also it's there is abs- again absolutely nothing wrong with making sure that you need to make that your financial health is a priority and. If it's compromising other things, I think it's always worth questioning of, does it have to be one or the other? How can I achieve both? And what's in my control? What can I say? What can I do? What can I think that might change the situation for me? And there are people, Darcy, that are working, you know, um, even on their days off, and they should be off, and they are working. At what point do you think that made that switch where more Americans were working answering emails, doing their laptop stuff at home. I'm talking before pandemic. I'm saying like on their days off or on their vacation, they've got their laptop out and they're at the beach and they're like, I just email really quick. You know, when did that happen? When did that switch happen? Uh, you know, I don't know if we can pinpoint it, although I would say that the access to, you know, always on technology hasn't, hasn't helped. Um, I have a class that I teach called how to use technology and not let it use you. Right, and, yeah. uh, you know, and then when I look back at the origins, I, I've actually taught some semblance of this class for the past, I don't know, 12 years, because, you know, all of our technologies, we adapt really quickly, but no one teaches us any rules as yeah. and there's not a, there's not a common rule book to say, this is what, this is, you know, a text signals this versus a Slack signals that. Um, and I think we have to create them for our teams and for ourselves. You know, I, I often talk about creating click less zones. And there may be times where you have to set that boundary and say, you know, this is what works for me, that I don't answer emails between 8 p.m. and 8 a.m. or what. And, and I had a client once who said, well, he argued with me um, and said, I'm just sitting on, I'm just sitting on the couch. You know, I'm just watching TV with the kids or whatever. I said, give me, give me a week to experiment with it. Just trust me for a week. And he came back the next week and he said, you know, I put the phone in the, in the drawer and I sat on the couch and I'm thinking, you know, I should be checking email. All I'm doing is this, this, this inane show that my kids want to watch. And he realized his daughter came up and sat right up close next to him under the arm where he usually would have been holding his phone. And he said, she hasn't done that in a long time. And he realized that even inadvertently, you know, just by holding his phone, he was signaling that's more important than the humans in the room. Mm -hmm. And so there's a, you know, there's a reverb there and it's not just about, oh, I can handle it, but it's, where am I focused and what's my attention in this moment as opposed to trying to do, we're never going to do it all. We're ne- There's so much information out there. We're never going to know it all, but trusting that I'll know what I need to know when I know it, I'll find it when I need to find it. And today, right now, what's the most important thing I can do in this moment? Now I have to tell you a funny, not so funny story. It's like funny looking back in hindsight, but this is like a bad leadership lesson um, it's a lesson in what not to do when you're like interviewing candidates for a job. So I was getting ready to, I was at my final round interview for a principalship for a middle school principal job. And my superintendent, um, he had this tendency to try and test people's patience in interviews just to see how they would do. So he's like getting up and walking out of the room, um, 
eating licorice, like opening a <laughs> container of red vines and like eating licorice, putting his feet up on the table, had his back to me and was like on his computer. And this is like there's 10 people around this panel that are, you know, questioning me, all these executive cabinet people and board members. And everything in me wanted to be like, am I that unimportant to you that you can sit there and chew on licorice with your feet up on the table? And it's like, when we go back to these leadership lessons and like valuing people within the organization and I don't know, it just, it triggered my thought as you were talking about the behaviors of leaders just a few moments ago. And I just think it's so interesting when we talk about the vibes that we give off to people to let them know whether or not we view them as important. And, and even, even just, in us, yeah, even in that situation, the peers, right? right? I mean, I'm sure they're, they're, I mean, that's not acceptable behavior in a room with your peers. Right. And they all knew that it was, he was testing me, but it's like in that moment, is that appropriate? Here you have this young administrator that's you know, this is their livelihood and they're putting all of this on the line and have prepped for hours for this interview. And you're, you know, leaning, literally leaning back almost to the point of reclining in the chair, feet up on the conference table, chewing on red vines. It's just ugh, it's so interesting yeah. what people it, face in leadership. Well, and it's interesting too, there is still a lot of like outdated uh, game playing in just our communication processes in general. You know, I would say that the person who wants to hire a great person, playing games with them to quote unquote test their patience. Um, the, the, I actually would have respect for the person who who would actually say, "I'm I'm sorry, you know, notice you're a little restless. Is this still a good time to have this conversation? You know, right, like to yeah. hold somebody accountable. Now yes. it's easier it's easier to sit here and say that than to have that in the moment. But you know, it is something we work on sometimes with our clients of after seeing habitual behavior, how do you address the elephant in the room? You know, how do you hold someone accountable or bullying behavior or just um, just insensitive behavior because if when we don't say anything, we're inherently endorsing it. And if it was a test and we fail that test, that's not a test I wanted to pass, right? I mean, if that, <laughs> right, was, yeah. if that was a characteristic that you needed for the job, then that seems like, you know, it seems like that's the, they're screening for the wrong characteristic. Um, I don't know. I mean, yes, I might want a principal to be patient, but I don't want them to be taken advantage of. Right. Exactly. What did you do? I just sat there and took deep breaths and I kind of knew that this was his MO and -hmm. that it might be a test and just had to work really hard to not take it personally. Mm -hmm. And I spoke to the people in the room that were paying attention and I almost ignored the behavior as if it's Mm -hmm. like a obstinate child throwing a temper tantrum (laughs) in the middle of Target. It's Uh almost like I stepped over it and I was just like, it was one of those like, okay, well, he can join us when he's ready to join us like an adult, but I'm not going to play uh, into that. You know, uh-huh. it's just like kind of I, you know, I would have said, I would have said, hey, can someone get this guy some uh, diapers or, or, or a, <laughs> ba- a baby bottle real quick? Hey, hey, uh, Susie, yeah, go fetch him. Go fetch him his diapers. Yeah, it's over there. Uh, you know? It's the pamper bag. Uh-huh. That's the one. But I did end up getting the job and it just kind of left a taste in my mouth of what not to do. And the body language signals not to send to other people in the room. And so I wanted to, you know, be physically present, especially during important moments. And that's why as a leader, I'd start doing things like 
putting my phone in my desk drawer on silent mm-hmm. and no vibrate. And I've carried that to this day. Chris will say, why don't you put your ringer on on your phone? Why don't you put- I've been trying to get a hold of you for an hour. I know. And I was like, <laughs> well, I was in the middle of an important conversation with somebody and I could not be interrupted. And so it could wait. And But, you know, it's just very interesting, these different leadership moments and leadership lessons that some people could have been coached through early on in their career, but maybe they just developed these habits that have followed them along. And we teach people how to treat us. And I always keep going back to all I can control is me. I can't control where how you grew up or the leader that you learned from or or the story that's going on in your head about this situation or this moment we're in now. I can't control that. Uh, but all I can control is is you know my reaction to it. What am I thinking about you? Am I exchanging my frustration for empathy? Like wow, isn't that like like it sounds like you did? It's like okay, he's just a that's a really interesting behavior. I'm so glad I'm never going to do that behavior or, or, or choosing to say something or choosing to do something differently. Um, we have control over situations that even if the outcome isn't to fix it, that once we know that we've made the choice we can, I think it's so powerful that, you know, it, it helps us relax into it and know that we've done everything that, that we can do. Hey, Darcy, what would you say to those guys or girls? I'm not going to stereotype here. Say a person who does eventually end up in a leadership position and their attitude just shifts. Like they are in charge, that uh, they look to talk down to everybody. They kind of have this, you know what I'm talking about? They have this attitude. It's really hard to make the leap to leadership if you don't have a good role model or some coaching along the way, because you can actually be the exact same person, but you're going to be seen differently in a, in a yeah, role. Right. And, you know, and, 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 and what we don't realize, I think sometimes is what other people's perceptions of us, even if we feel like we've never changed. And I think we can overcorrect or we can, or we can feel insecure and say, "Well, now I'm the leader, so I have to do things this way. So I have to be the boss. So I have to be right. tough, yes. or whatever." Um, instead of, and, and this is, you know, this is work that I think everybody who is moving into positions of greater influence, whether it's called a leader, whether it's called a team manager, whatever it is, has to be aware of. Of, you're not always going to see the the impact on others. Uh, so we have to be more purposeful. And especially in a remote-led world, we have to be more purposeful to ask bigger questions, to be able to not just trust what we're hearing, but to kind of look for the story underneath the story. And, you know, it's not to go looking for problems, but to be self-aware uh, that, that, because you know, what's what's your tendency? What are the assumptions that you make? I often will coach clients when they're taking on a, a new role to come clean to their team up front and say, one thing I know about me is that I tend to jump to the conclusion before I've heard all the answers. So if you hear me doing that, know you have permission to push back on me. That I want to hear, say, hey, you wait, you went to the conclusion here's the pieces that you don't know yet. So, um, you know, whatever your thing is, we all have a thing, right? And if we don't know what that thing is in us, that's, that's, that's a good 
time to invest in a coach and just and and maybe also do some some uh, 360 interviews or some some feed forward as as Marshall Goldsmith calls it and really know like what is my perceived brand what what how am I coming across to people right um, because yeah. self awareness is one of the the strongest skills and actually boards are looking at people at leaders self awareness when they are looking at promoting people to um, the C-suite. They're looking at, is this person someone who does self-reflection? Are they aware of their tendencies and habits and how, and you know, how people interact with them? Right. Definitely. Now with all that you've done with your coaching, Darcy, you mentioned a new book that you have. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about where they can find out about you, your services, because you've dropped some truth nuggets today, and I think it could be of benefit to a lot of our listening audience. Oh, well, thank you for that. Yeah, I would love your listeners. If there's anything that we've said that's been intriguing to check out the book, um, it's called Red Cape Rescue, Save Your Career Without Leaving Your Job. And even if you've decided I'm at the, you know, I'm ready to leave my job, the book goes into how you can take back control of your career without having to sacrifice, without having to suffer. And it's broken into ways that you can think differently, ways you can speak differently or say things differently, and what you can do differently. And you can find it on all online booksellers. And there's more in a listing at redcaperescue.com. And I also have a weekly, um, I call it a little love note. It's, it's my insider community. It's the place where I share uh, ideas first. And people can sign up for free at redcapeinsider.com. Fantastic. I'll put uh, notes to all of this in the show notes of this episode today. Well, Darcy, we just want to say thank you so much for joining us today and for giving us a little bit of insight into leadership development and how to navigate the current um, job climate for people when they're just frustrated. And so I think the encouragement is don't feel like the only option is to leave because the grass might not be greener. There might be other things that you can do to help yourself grow and be content in your current place. Is that correct? And there might be a whole lot of green grass right in front of your nose that you're not even seeing. Yes. Oh, so, so look at yeah. that. Absolutely. Get the lawnmower out, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Darcy. We wish you all the best. Thanks for being on our show. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, thank you so much for being a loyal listener of The Chris and Christine Show. And as that you are a loyal listener, we have a very fun opportunity for you to get involved with the show. Ooh, tell me more. If you like to get exclusive content you can't get anywhere else and to receive free merchandise shipped to you every single month. Ooh, I want that. Then head over to patreon.com slash The Chris and Christine Show. That is patreon.com slash the chris and christine show hey you know darcy was uh, fantastic so nice for her to take time of her day to come on our show today definitely it was very interesting and i think that i reflected quite a bit on what she was mentioning about her new book red cape rescue and i think that it's definitely has some relevance to some of the things i'm going through i actually shared her information with a couple of my friends that are going through some interesting 
occupational navigations right now in their career. Right. And I kind of think that a lot of people do. You know, one thing I did notice about the pandemic is that when you were working from home and you got transitioned to home, a lot of people also did. I got so like, I want to do that. Like, I want to be the one working at home. You but can. I, but I'm also an introvert. What do you call it? Introvert? Is it the one? Extrovert. Extro- What's the one you're always at home all the time? Uh, introvert. introvert. Right. So I'm more of an introvert. No, you are not. I'm a homebody. No, you are not. You like to be at home, but you are the life of the party. Everybody gravitates towards you. Speaking of which, I was at um, an engagement shoot for my clients on Thursday night, and they saw me, and they're like, oh, where's Chris? And I was like... Uh, he gets an invite to you know everything need, we go to. I know. You know what you need to do? I, thought, I just thought of this now. You need to get one of those big, tall, like, life-size cardboard cutouts of me and bring it to the wedding. Since they, Chris is here. He's See? my plus one. Here he has a picture. But or it is kind of irritating to me. Not in a – I'm not, like, calling you out on it. But it's hard for me because I work so hard to build relationships with these clients. And I want to be, like – that they're happy that I'm there and that I bring light and positivity. And then they're like, oh, but where's Chris? And it's like, you don't even have to do anything and you're more popular than me. It's just like going back to high school. It's so hard because it's like, here, I try to be I'm, a popular kid. Yeah, you're I'm the not smart, gonna lie. You're the smart girl in the class. I'm like a dumb jock that comes in and it's like, hey, what's going on today? But teach? why can't I be popular too why did the brainiacs always have to be the ones that people just dump more stuff on instead of thinking you're the life of the party i don't understand it's so hard well it's very nice them to invite me to this uh, wedding event that you that you went stop to stop being so nice you know it, it was pretty stop being their favorites uh well hey is there any more events that i'm invited to that i'm not gonna, nope. go, that I'm not gonna go to no nope. you're just <laughs> what's the next event i can why, miss out on this is why when you're like Honey, I could go to this event with you. I'm like, nope, you could stay home. And you're like, but why? Why can't you go? Because you're going to be their favorite. It's no <sighs> fair. No, I do life, all the work. It's rough when you're their favorite, you know? <sighs> you're I mean, so it, mean it's to me. So hard, it's hard work, you know? I, I mean, guess I, I, so. I try to be there for everybody, you know? I try to help everybody out. You know, help you out, help these people out, help the wedding out. I'm trying to help everybody out, you know? Whatever. You know, I'm just a helper boy. You know, wedding helper boy, Chris. Wedding helper boy is trying to be like Mr. Popular and. Mr. Class Clown and Mr. Shock Jock. And then they like you and you're going to be their favorites. And nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. You know, I think if the next wedding I go to, I'm going to put up like a little photo booth for myself. Like, hey, you want to take a picture and autograph with me? What? Maybe have like a little photo session. Is that their entertainment? Yes. Oh, my gosh. You're ridiculous. I have to deal with this, everybody. It's yeah. like he shows up and he's like, hey, 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 everybody. I'm here. And they're like, oh, my gosh. Ha, ha, ha. You're so funny. Oh, I know. And everybody's know. like, you have to go. Christine, you're fired unless you bring him. And I'm like, what? Well, they said that you're fired unless no, you bring me. No, I mean they joke. I guess I guess I really got to show up now. My no, goodness. people joke and they're like, no, really, your package deal. He needs to come. And I'm like, I don't want my husband there having fun while I'm working. That's no fun. Well, you can have fun too, babe. No, I have to work. Somebody has to be serious. That I guess I'll take all the fun responsibility. Uh, you take handle the work part. See, I'll, I'll handle the story. fun part. This is a story of our life, and maybe this is what's contributing to some of the stress that I feel in my workplace is because I always have to be like the details person and super organized and sometimes I just want to rebel and I just want to be like disorganized and sloppy but I don't have that luxury ah well you know hey case of the Mondays yep absolutely definitely is definitely well 
where can our listeners find out more about us, Chris, in case they have a case of the Mondays and this helped to lift their spirits? All right. You can find us at chrisandchristineshow.com. And it doesn't even matter how you spell it. You'll find us. I'll get that all figured out. And guess what? If you're really super lazy, you just look at your phone right now, that little player you're playing this podcast on. You scroll into the scroll into the uh, show notes, is what it's called. Yep. The show notes part. And I have a link to the website already in there and a link to everything you heard today. It's going to be right in the show notes. Definitely. And so thank you so much for listening. And we'll be back with you next next week. week.